Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Terry Thorne delivers the message entitled, A Risk Always Worth Taking. So join us now from the sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab. Our second reading this morning is the gospel reading. It comes from Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For it is as as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. The one, excuse me, in the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who'd received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled his accounts with them. Then the one who'd received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed, so I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground, so here, have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received that which was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they will, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh God, we are grateful that we have the opportunity to gather and worship you. And we are so thankful that you instruct us through your word as it is read and sung and proclaimed. We also are grateful that you challenge us with your word, and today you have given us a challenging word. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would be among us 
and that you would open our eyes and our ears to see and hear what it is you want us to know today. That you would open our hearts to receive it and our lives to live it. To your glory, in Christ's name, amen. So if your house was on fire, what would you save? What would be the, worth the risk to you? Now, we've all heard some version of that question, right? Recently, I heard a very interesting twist on it. The initial, the asks in general, were posed in terms of levels of risks associated. So the first question was, what would you save if you knew that you could get in and get out safely? The next question was, well, what how might that change if you knew that you were going to get some burns while you're in there that require treatment? And the final round of the question was something like, if you knew you were going to experience smoke inhalation that would result or could result in permanent lung damage or even death, what would be worth saving? It's interesting to consider how our values might change when the risks are higher. It also, for me, raises a curiosity about why some folks are willing to take a lot more risk than others. And quite frankly, those risks don't have to be dangerous, life-threatening risks or even risky recklessness. There just seem to be those who are hardwired to take risk and others not so much so. Now personally, I find myself in awe of those with the entrepreneurial, explorer, adventure spirit who say that the greatest risk is not taking risks at all. And in their mind, if you're not living, you are not living life to its fullest if you're not taking some risks. I probably align more closely with those who, when weighing risk and reward, tend to tip the scale toward play it safe. You know, the discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment people. The ones whose sign in their office reads, don't learn safety by accident. There's a reason the low risk takers in the room don't love this parable. Many of us identify with the third slave, and we too would have been much more likely to play it safe with the master's possessions than to take the risk of losing them. In fact, I, I would imagine that even those who are more inclined to take risks may squirm a little when hearing this par parable. Because the uncertainty of the master's intentions and the lack of instruction about what to do with this entrusted treasure would cause most folks to hesitate before putting it all on the line. It's human nature to want to assess expectations, potential for success and the consequences of failure before we risk our own treasures, much less someone else's, particularly if we're indebted to that person already as these slaves were to their master. 
You see, even the most adventurous risk-takers understand that there are some risks that are just not worth taking. There's too many unknowns, there's too many things that are beyond your control, or there's too big of chance for loss, or there's just too much to lose. So why is it that the first two slaves in the parable seem almost eager to take the risk, and what made the third one so afraid? What did Jesus want his hearers then and now to take away from this story? Well, on this Sunday that we call Stewardship Sunday, it would be really easy to make this teaching about money. To use this story to call for financial generosity over fear. And that would preach without question. It would not, however, be consistent with anything else Jesus ever said about money and power. I can't recall any scripture that can be legitimately interpreted as God giving money to people so they can use it to make more money for God. This story is not about God's investment strategy. In fact, I don't think we can even assume that this parable is about money at all. Because the truth is, folks, God does not want or need our money. God wants our hearts. For where our hearts are, there our treasure will also be. We will tend to put our treasure toward that which we value the most in our hearts. So if there is any stewardship question that we should be asking ourselves today, it's this. What do we value most in our hearts about this church and about the role it plays in God's mission? More specifically, what are we willing to risk for that mission? So yes, this parable reads like an accounting financial accounting lesson and a talent which is in other some other versions translated to be bags of gold represents far more currency than any slave could ever imagine. But keep in mind, Jesus told this story as a metaphorical description. It is like is how the story starts. A metaphorical description of how things are in God's kingdom. In other words, it's meant to reveal for us God's intention for life among God's people. And if there's one thing that's abundantly clear over the overarching narrative of Scripture, it is this. The economy, if you will, in God's realm is not money. It is love. So it's not a stretch to say that the talents and the golds, the possessions that the master gives the slaves are not meant to be heard as purely money. Instead, they represent 
for one thing, a measure, a quantity beyond measurement. An unfathomable treasure. They represent everything the master had to give and far beyond anything that the slaves could possibly ever earn on their own. It sounds a lot like that thing we call grace. Does it not? The immeasurable, unfathomable treasure that God freely and willingly gives to all whom God treasures is Jesus Christ himself. The one who proclaims God's unconditional love in word and embodies it in action. And the gift we receive through Christ, if you will, is our righteousness before God, a salvation that is given and not earned. We are freed, a gift of freedom to live as the beloved community of God, a community of blessing and peace. And we are entrusted, entrusted with currencies, if you will, that are encompassed in the gospel. Things like forgiveness and mercy and kindness and humility and compassion and love and hope and justice, just to name a few. So I wonder, how does this parable sound to you? How does it strike you when we substitute any one of those things in as the treasure the master has given? The master gives forgiveness to the slaves, according to their ability to receive forgiveness or maybe according to their need for forgiveness. And the first two, they go out and they exchange forgiveness with others, thus increasing the presence of forgiveness in the world. Or maybe it's mercy or compassion or hope. Or justice. It's whatever we choose from the gospel, the message does not change. In Christ, God gives an immeasurable, unfathomable, unearnable treasure to us, and God is delighted, delighted when we exchange that gift with one another in order to increase the revelation of God's love in this world. The slaves who received the gift, no instruction, no expectation for what to do with it, chose to boldly interact with others to increase the value of the treasure. And that not only brought the master joy, they too became encompassed or blanketed with his joy. So church, when God's people in faith and trust choose to risk at any level for the sake of the gospel, God rejoices and gives us an experience of joy as well. Conversely, 
if we let fear or selfishness or our need to control the outcome drive us into hiding the incredible treasure we've been given, we might feel safe in that moment, but we will eventually find ourselves living in our own version of anxiousness and fear, our own darkness, weeping, and clenching of teeth. And there is certainly no joy in that. And when congregations take this fearful approach, burying and avoiding the risks of sharing the treasure, the mission that God has given that congregation will surely come to a screeching halt. So the bottom line of this parable is that we either risk for the sake of the gospel or we don't. And there will be consequence for our choice. Now that said, there are plenty of risks to the gospel that are not worth taking, as we see personified in that third slave. Now, there are three in particular that I think this congregation faces right now, and today I will name them. First, we are in a time of transition, and transitions can be very risky to the gospel in that congregations are inclined to play it safe, to put Adopt a put everything on hold until we know more approach to ministry. Or a let's wait and see who the new pastor's going to be posturing. That's very risky to the mission that God has given Tab right here, right now. And uncertain of what lies ahead, a natural response will be to try to exert control by not risking anything, holding on tightly to just what was or what has always been and not willing to consider any new way of sharing the treasure that we have been given. It's a burying of sort that can be quite dangerous. The second risk we face that all congregations are facing is a refusal to consider that while the treasure of God's love has not and will not ever change, the way folks receive it, engage it, and share it has. The shift has been gradual over decades, most of my lifetime, but the pandemic seems to have pressed the accelerator to the floor. Our response to societal changes may mean new ways of being church together. And we cannot let fear of change, or even our greater fear, which is that somehow we'll get the future wrong, keep us from trying. Folks, the risk of putting our head in the sand about what's happening around us is a risk 
to the gospel not worth taking. The third significant risk to the spread of the good news is an increasing spirit of polarization in the air. From small gatherings to world stage, there's this echo chamber of birds of the feather flocking together. And the ability to interact with grace and kindness toward those who do not share our same understanding, our same views, or our same theology, our ability to do that is dying. Even, maybe even more so, among people of faith. And that is heartbreaking. And I assure you, it does not bring any joy to God. Not to mention one of the biggest risks, one of the biggest risks to the sharing of God's love is to limit those to whom we are willing to offer it. Friends, there's numerous ways we can rationalize bearing what God has given us. But that is not who we are. That is not our identity. It never has been. Not as Christians and not as Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. Thanks be to God, this beloved congregation has a long history and legacy of being willing to risk for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ, financially and otherwise. Even the story that's told about how we ended up on this corner is one of taking chance for God's love to be shared through the first Sunday school for children in this area. And the fact that the church remained committed to staying here during a time of white flight to the suburbs, that was a risk of sorts. The congregation had to trust that those moving to the suburbs would still continue to be committed to the work and worship of Tab and believe that those who moved into the neighborhood would feel welcomed and included. That was risky. And quite frankly, it didn't always go to, as to plan. But God has honored our willingness to take the risk. So perhaps the additional truth of this parable is God honors faith over fear. And God cares as much and maybe even more about our willingness to step forward in faith, to risk for the revelation of his goodness and his love, as much as the actual outcome of our efforts. On this Stewardship Celebration Sunday, it is right to give thanks for all of God's blessings, past, present, and future. And it's important, it's so important to celebrate Tab's generative spirit and our willingness to put it on the line for the sake of the gospel. 
from the establishment of Tab Rec, which will be 100 years old in 2024, to those foundations laid for ministries like the Raphael Health Center and the Neighborhood Christian Legal Clinic and the Mid-North Food Pantry and the Oaks Academy, even the more recent shifts in the model to the Open Door Cafe, just to name a few. There's one that many of you don't even know about. Back in 2020, during the height of the pandemic, pandemic, there were folks at TAB who actually risked their own lives in order to open a micro school so that the children of this neighborhood would have a place to learn while the schools were closed. And the volunteers may not have been able, well, we would say we definitely were not able, to provide the learning of a regular classroom. But you know what they did do? They made sure every single one of those kiddos there received plenty of God's love and assurance during what was such a stressful time for everyone, but especially children. So repeatedly, Tab has gone out on limbs, sometimes precarious limbs, so that others would experience God's love and that the light of Christ would glow more brightly in this community and around the world. Give thanks for that today. Friends, risking for the sake of God's love is always a risk worth taking. And so as we enter into this season of gratitude, let us give thanks that we, each of us, have been granted the immeasurable, unfathomable, unmerited love of God. And let us rejoice that through the years, our church family has continually been found trustworthy with a few things and then look forward to the future and pray without ceasing to be courageous and bold in the many things for the sharing of God's love. Friends, in this, God will delight. In this, we will experience the true joy of living on earth as it is in heaven. In this, we will be found faithful. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for all of us. Let us pray. Oh God, we do give thanks. We give you thanks for the gift that you have given us, the gift of your love, the gift of your Son, our Savior, the gift of being invited into live into the beloved community that we call your kingdom. We give you thanks that you have entrusted us we pray, God, now that your spirit would give us courage to recognize what we might be hiding 
and then to boldly step forward in faith so that the world would know the incredible power of your love. Amen. You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked sermons, and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indie. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabprez.org. That's T-A-B-P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. Sunday with Tab.